This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Judge Jeanine Pirro. She's the outspoken host. Judge Jeanine Pirro is dominating the headlines right now. This is the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation Sunday Morning Show. Now, here's Judge Janine Pirro. Welcome, everyone, to the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation Show. I hope everyone is enjoying their day so far. It is a beautiful Sunday morning. And as always, uh, we are armed and ready to serve justice with all my great listeners uh, here on the Red Apple Audio Network. Uh, it is uh, not quite the middle of July, and I hate to see the summer pass. I really do. Uh, but I'm thrilled that the summer is here anyway. I love it. I love the sunshine. I love it when it's really hot out. I hate it when it rains, but it's good for the flowers. But there's so much that happened in America this week. They find cocaine in the White House. Now, folks, this isn't marijuana. This is a controlled substance. This is serious stuff, all right? I would expect, and I think you would expect also, the White House to be outraged about cocaine in the White House. Uh, there was no such statement coming out of the uh, administration. Karine Jean-Pierre uh, could barely say, you know, anything other than, the Secret Service has this, and I'm not going to get in ahead of it, but I want you to listen to what she said when asked whether or not they will prosecute if they find the person who, was, who brought the cocaine into the White House. Take a listen. Determines uh, who brought the uh, cocaine into the White House. Does the White House support the prosecution of this individual? I'm just not going to get into hypotheticals from here. Let let the Secret Service do their job. It's under their purview. We are confident that they'll get to the bottom of it. I'm just not going to get ahead of this right this time. Okay. Wow. Let the Secret Service do their job. I'm not going to get ahead of this. Are you kidding me? The answer should be, this is an outrage. Of course we're going to prosecute. Of course we're going to go forward. We need to send a message to anyone who comes near this White House that controlled substances are not to be had, possessed, used, or left in the White House. But instead it was like, oh, I'm not going to get ahead of the Secret Service. Come on, it's a simple question. Answer it. Unless, of course, you're worried about whose cocaine it might be now i'm not going to point the finger but let me ask you this you know when there was a gun that was found in a garbage can next to uh, a school uh, and that was hunter biden's gun that he got illegally by lying and perjuring himself on an affidavit on a pistol permit who was it that went and got that gun out of that garbage can near the school it was the Secret Service. And who was it who went to the store where Hunter Biden bought the gun and tried to get the application where Hunter Biden lied about the fact that uh, he had a drug problem? He said he didn't have a drug problem. Who went to get that application from the gun store? The Secret Service. 
But the gun store owner wouldn't give it to the Secret Service. He said, I got to keep this by law. I have to file it. But I guess the Secret Service was on a mission to get that piece of evidence, which would be the substance of a gun crime. Okay? And, you know, the Secret Service is now investigating. Now, I want to be clear. Secret Service is a great agency. They've got, uh, they will take a bullet for the president. But at the same time, I don't like the fact that the Secret Service seems to be there covering up for Hunter Biden every time there's a problem. And I don't like the fact that what we've got right now is the Secret Service investigating a case where, where Karine Jean-Pierre says, we may never know. She's sending out that message to you folks so that, oh, right, we may never know. It's like the Dobbs decision. Who leaked it? We may never know. They're not going to tell us who leaked it because it's going to look bad for them. So uh, we're going to have Harmy Dillon talk about that. She is brilliant. She's brought cases like this before. It's all coming up in just a few moments on the Judge Jeanine Tunnel to Towers Foundation Show. And never forget, that's a commitment we made on 9-11. Honor it by donating $11 a month to the Tunnel to Towers Foundation at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. And up next here on the Judge Jeanine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show, I will be speaking with Hogan Gidley, and he's going to tell us, as a guy who worked in the White House, why what the uh, Karine Jean-Pierre in the White House is saying just doesn't ring true. What a shock. Coming up right here on the Red Apple Audio Network. Judge Jeanine Show on 77 WABC. This is the Janine Furo Show. Now, here's Judge Janine Furo. Welcome back to the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation Show. Joining us now is a former White House Deputy Press Secretary. Please join me in welcoming Hogan Gidley to the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation Show. Hogan Gidley, uh, I'm sure for many of my listeners, you may have seen him during the four years that Donald Trump was president. Uh, he's a political aide who served as White House Deputy Press Secretary in the Trump administration. All right. Good morning, Hogan. How are you? I'm doing really well, Judge. Thanks so much for the time. All right. Now, listen, uh, this week, actually, last Sunday, we find out that there's some uh, cocaine that's found in the White House. And the first recording, recording being the operative word here, uh, by the D.C. hazmat uh, uh, group is that the cocaine was found in the library. Now, for me, that had a specific meaning, and uh, I thought it was very interesting because, as I recall, the library is in the residence. It is in the inner sanctum. It is in the east wing. It is not in the west wing. Is that correct? Correct. Some people would call it the mansion proper, where right. the east wing is where the, the first lady works, but it would be more on the eastern side of the building, yes. Right. Okay, so then within a day, uh, all of a sudden we hear, no, it was found in the West Wing, in those little cubbies where all of us would come in and put our phones uh, that we had to lock up. Now, I thought that was unusual because if you have an actual recording of where it was found on the day contemporaneous with the finding, uh, I'm kind of more inclined to believe that than a subsequent review that would uh, benefit and behoove 
the the first family since the son hunter is someone who is a uh, is a drug addict a crack addict and hopefully uh is uh, rehabilitating himself but what does that tell you when they say instead it was found in the west wing tell us the significance of that the significance is very important because where it's found inside the white house will help investigators winnow down the list of potential people this cocaine could belong to or, or, or who could have brought it in the White House. And now we know, her reports confirmed, that this cocaine was found just inside the West Executive parking lot, right inside the West Exec entrance to the White House. That means only a few people would have access to this. In large measure, senior staff come through there in their cars, uh, can park. They would bypass magnetometers, uh, they would bypass um, the the um, Secret Service that would wand you should you set off any type of alarm. You would face dogs coming through there because they'd have to scan your car, but most of those dogs are for bombs. I don't think many of them uh, are for drugs because of the random drug testing and things you have to incur while you're in the White House. But also dignitaries come through there, VIPs, cabinet secretaries, and here's the key, family members can also come through there pretty much unchecked because they'll come through with their own Secret Service, walk right in the building through that entrance. Earlier, when they were talking about the library, you noticed the White House was trying to say, oh, that's where tour groups come through. A lot of people, heavily trafficked. Right. It's it's more heavily trafficked than the other side, but the rigorous screening that goes on one side is not quite the same as as goes in the other, but for the fact that you have to screen before you even – get the access to that side of the building because you have to go through those things and get certain levels of clearances before you can come through West Exec. So okay. So are, what you're saying are coming uh, through there without the screening that everyone else would get. Okay. So the screening for the um uh, in the uh, in the you said the West Exec. What did you mean by that? That's where you're talking about now? Right, it's the West Executive parking uh, parking lot that you come to in the West Executive uh, entrance, which is the entrance. It's the parking lot between the Executive Office, right. Eisenhower Executive Office Building, across EOB, the way, right. and the White House itself. Right, right. And for any tour group, there's no question that a tour group is the normal public that comes through. They have to go through screening, then they get they they're wanted, then there's a metal detector, and there are dogs there as well. Now they. May just be bomb dogs, but I can't imagine somebody coming through with a glassine envelope with cocaine in it and going through all those levels and getting through. But Corrine Jean Pierre wants us to believe that it was in that highly trafficked area that the cocaine was found. Do you believe that? Not, not a chance. Not a chance. That's not true. Because look, the tour groups that come through are all the way on the other side, on the east wing side, because you get to see the mansion, the library you're talking about. Um, all of the great rooms where they have, um, you know, dignitaries come and they do uh, meetings and they do press conferences and things like that. It's set up for Christmas. It's where all the decorations are. Right. West Exec on the other side in the West Wing is where staffers work. It's where family members come and go. It's where the vice president's motorcade usually starts from on that side of the building. It's right next to the Situation Room, for example, right next to the Navy Mess where we have lunch. And we have dinners. So it's a much more significant area as it points to someone with a lot of access, a lot of security clearances who gets to come to that side. 
All right. So um, the the White House, when Karine Jean-Pierre spoke about this, Hogan Gidley, she she was like she kept saying, I'm not going to get ahead of this. I'm not going to get ahead of this. And uh, she was asked a question uh, whether or not they would prosecute. Take a listen to this. Who brought the uh, cocaine into the White House? Does the White House support the prosecution of this individual? I'm just not going to get into hypotheticals from here. Let let the Secret Service do their job. It's under their purview. We are confident that they'll get to the bottom of it. I'm just not going to get ahead of this. Right. This okay. So as opposed to saying absolutely we're going to prosecute or this is a very serious matter or being outraged that anyone would dare bring that into the White House, She's like, I'm not going to get ahead of this. Why would the White House not say, of course, we're going to prosecute? We're not talking about marijuana here. We're talking about cocaine. What did you think of her response? You're, you were a press so, secretary. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought this up. And, and Joe Biden had the chance to answer this, too. And the, the head of Sweden was sitting in the Oval Office as well. How simple is it? Listen, this is unacceptable. We must get to the bottom of this. This is the people's house. You cannot desecrate the people's house by bringing in illegal, illicit drugs. We will work with the United States Secret Service, who is now in charge of this operation, to ensure whoever did this is brought to justice and they face prosecution under the law. We stand by that. We support it. For anything else, though, I'm going to have to refer you to the Secret Service. That's the answer. Exactly. Instead, they refuse to say anything about the potential prosecution because they know it could be someone high level, could be a donor they don't want to mess with, could be a cabinet official, could be a high level staffer, could be a family member who has a known track record and history of using and abusing drugs. I'm not saying it's Hunter Biden, by the way. Well, I'm it could be. Come on. It, it Look, that's the elephant. In the... You know what? I, gotta, I don't mean to interrupt you, Hogan. Finish your sentence. No, I, I agree. I, I'm, I'm not trying to implicate or, or, or point to like I have some type of knowledge here. I'm just saying when you're talking about the West exec entrance, you're talking about the access the Hunter Biden would have. He wouldn't have to go through security. He wouldn't have to walk by someone with a, a metal detector or bomb sniffing dog. He could go right in because he has that level of access. He travels with Secret Service. So to pretend as though there's no chance at all it's Hunter is ridiculous. And the first press conference Karine Jean-Pierre had about it, I could not believe all the questions they asked about the Secret Service and are you going to change protocols and who, how in the world could this have happened? No one said, hey, I have a question. Hunter Biden, Joe Biden's son, has a history of using drugs and abusing drugs. He obviously has access to the White House. Are you all concerned at all that Hunter could be involved? No one even asked her that question. Yeah. It blows my mind. Well, it, it does. And I'm going to ask you a question. You know, when Hunter Biden's gun, the one that he got illegally by filing an, a, uh, a, a form and lying on that affidavit, um, it, that gun was thrown into a garbage can near a school. Now, who was it who retrieved the gun from that garbage can? Secret Service. Okay. And um, when Hunter Biden... Um, you know, is is the Secret Service's job, obviously, is to protect the White House and to protect the family. And when someone went to the gun shop owner where Hunter bought the gun to get a copy or get the original of the pistol permit application and the gun shop owner refused to give it to them, who was it who tried to go in and get that pistol permit application that Hunter filed? The U.S. Secret Service. 
Okay. And who is the in charge of this investigation? The U.S. Secret Service. Okay. So, I know where you're going here. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's pretty clear to me that even at the time that the Secret Service seized the gun of Hunter Biden that was illegally obtained and that was in a trash can near a school, Joe Biden wasn't even the vice president. And the Secret Service was doing favors for Hunter Biden. And they've done a lot of favors for Hunter Biden. And it frightens me. And let me just say this. The Secret Service does a great job. And the FBI does a great job. I mean, Secret Service is going to take a bullet for the president. I mean, let's not kid around. But there are people who believe that their job is to play politics and protect the first family. And I'm very concerned about that 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 influence peddling. And we see it every day with whistleblowers coming out and then being attacked uh, by you know, Hunter Biden's family, for example, in the criminal investigation. But let me let me go back to this this idea of cocaine in the White House. When the when they're saying that they're not going to say that they're going to prosecute and they're not saying, you know, how this thing happened, I believe Corinne Jean Pierre also said that they may never know. Um did it what does that tell you if she said that? that? Yeah, they're going to know. The question is whether or not they're going to tell us. Look, Hunter has a very well-documented history of leaving things behind that are incriminating uh, and are a problem and moral for him. The gun yeah, the like trash, a laptop. You mentioned <laughs> the laptop, of course, a daughter in Arkansas they don't claim. And now we're talking about potentially cocaine in the White House. Well, and it is a very sad example. Anyway, Hogan Gidley, it was a delight catching up with you. We very much appreciate you uh, and your expertise, and uh, thanks so much. Uh, Look forward to talking to you again. You're really terrific, Hogan. I miss you. Take care. Anytime, Judge. Thank you. All right. miss you, too. And never forget, that's a commitment we made on 9-11. Honor it by donating $11 a month to the Tunnel to Towers Foundation at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. This is the Judge Janine Show. This is the Janine Pirro Show. Now, here's Judge Janine Pirro. Welcome back to the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation Show. Joining me now is a nationally recognized attorney, a trusted boardroom advisor, and a passionate advocate for the individual, for corporations, and institutional clients across numerous industries and walks of life. Her focus is on commercial litigation, employment law, First Amendment rights, and election law matters. Um, You may have seen her on Fox News. She is a brilliant woman, a brilliant attorney. Please join Join me in welcoming Harmeet Dillon to the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. First of all, Harmeet, let me, I, what I didn't include in that was that you uh, were had a clerkship with uh, a judge, Niemeyer, on the United States uh, Court of Appeals for the Fourth Circuit, which is just one down from, from my listeners' uh, interest from the Supreme Court. So uh, you have really done some incredible work as it relates to civil rights and the Constitution. But I think that this issue itself uh, is it calls for your expertise, and that is a federal judge 
who has accused the Biden administration uh, of censoring free speech and blocking several agencies and officials from the administration from communicating with social media companies. Now, uh, the judge says if the allegations made by the plaintiffs are true, and these are attorneys general, I believe, in Missouri and Louisiana, the present case arguably involves the most massive attack against free speech in United States history. So why don't you give us an idea of what this case is about and why this judge has made a decision to literally enjoin uh, agencies of government from connecting with social media? Yes. Yeah, so thank you, uh, Jeanine, for that introduction. I agree that this is a landmark case. It's in its early stages. And so, you know, this is the stage at which the plaintiffs, who are the states of Missouri and Louisiana, um, who uh, also represent some individual plaintiffs uh, who are physicians and prominent speakers who talked uh, a couple of years ago about the pandemic and seeking a class action, they sought an injunction against these federal government officials for communicating with social media and asking social media to censor these individuals and their views about about the pandemic, about the efficacy of the vaccines, and so forth. And the defendants include the former, include the current president, members of his immediate staff, cabinet secretaries, the Surgeon General, and a long laundry list of high and mid-level staffers at various federal agencies. Um, I've watched this case with great interest, uh, Judge, because I filed a similar lawsuit myself in the Ninth Circuit uh, about California's Secretary of State doing the same thing. So, you know, we filed that first case, and our case is actually referenced in this opinion by the judge. And so what the judge has done is said at this stage, although there's been no evidence taken in an adversarial sense or, you know, put on a trial, that the plaintiffs sort of have a likelihood of succeeding on the merits right. of their case, that this right. is a violation of the First Amendment. So that's kind of the basics of the case. Okay, but the, but the case itself really centers on the facts that we found out after the pandemic, and that is that uh, the FBI was having meetings with social media, and by that I mean Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, and talking to them about, you can expect Russian disinformation in the form of a Hunter Biden laptop, or you can, uh, uh, from the CDC, uh, you can expect information that will be is disinformation and you should not be publicizing it. And that had to do with what was the proper uh, remedy for someone who had COVID. Uh, it was everything that the government was trying to get us to do. And people suffered as a result of these agencies, Department of Homeland Security, FBI, uh, and we know CIA came out with a letter basically saying that the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation. Um, and, and and so people suffered. You've got like Dr. Robert Malone and Dr. Bhattacharya. Um, they suffered a great deal because they were held out to the public as promoting disinformation. And th there are two issues to me here. One is that the government would try to decide with private companies 
who are involved in disseminating information that where a lot of people get their only news from. And then the idea of trashing and destroying reputations of people who are in the midst of identifying, you know, possibly false information. And in the end, we know that they were wrong about COVID. Absolutely. So you you encompassed it well. And the scope of these bullying efforts by our federal government included even trying to shut down any talk over the lab leak theory, election integrity, even parody accounts, the defendants and posts criticizing the president, President Biden. Right. And the ripple effects are, 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 are huge. I, for example, I used Dr. Bhattacharya as an expert witness in several cases in California, challenging the shutdowns of schools, of businesses, et cetera. And so for, for the government to try to get him removed or get his post removed or discredit that individual had, has an impact, an intangible impact on many, many cases on his commentary. And that's just one individual. And so, uh, you know, the, the effect of that, which is interesting theory of this lawsuit is that the effect of the censorship actually harmed the citizens of those two states. Yes. In addition, of course, to the individuals, because the citizens of those two states were deprived of the free flow of information as a result of the collusion between the government and the big tech companies. And so it's also alleging discrimination based on the viewpoint of the individuals who were hurt because the government chose to target specific viewpoints and that is a violation of the First Amendment. But this is, Harmy Dillon, this is so fundamental to who we are as a nation. It's what sets us apart from other countries, the ability to say and think and speak for ourselves. And yet we have a government that is determined uh, and we've seen them. They lied about the laptop, not just in terms of the CIA covering up that it was, was Hunter Biden's, uh, and, and but they also lied about, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, it was coming, you know, be on the lookout. Uh, and this all had to do with an election of a president of the United States. It is it is election interference at the highest level. And this is what sets us apart from everyone else. And it's a huge free speech issue as it relates to the First Amendment. You know, the First Amendment of the press not being able to talk about the, you know, the laptop. I mean, as a, as a trickle down, I mean, if I talked about or as you talked, said yourself, if I talked about something, it would be removed as disinformation. And then they come out with Mary Poppins there, that one, and a ministry of truth that they're going to tell us what's true. And, you know, I, I, I hear from liberals who say, well, that the, she was... Uh, they were disseminating information that was untrue. And, but from the beginning of time in America, we have decided individually what is true and what is not true. All of a sudden, the government wants to, uh, you know, insinuate itself in between us and tell us and decide for us what's true, when in the end they were wrong on both counts. Absolutely. So, you know, what's so dangerous here is that now citizens are not sure when they're looking and reading and trying to get information, whether they're getting the complete picture or not. Their government is effectively censoring all of the Internet. 
And what was interesting in this ruling is that the court found that, that the government officials made explicit threats, quote unquote, to social media companies to coerce content moderation. Those threats included using threats to curtail their immunity from suit under Section 230 of the Communications and Decency Act, and that social media companies were faced with unrelenting pressure from the most powerful office in the world, quote unquote. So it's, it's pretty interesting. The court granted part of their injunction, denied part of their injunction request. It's very broad and sweeping. The government has already moved to appeal it. Yeah. And, you know, I won't be surprised if there's some adjustments to the scope of this injunction. But, you know, we'll see what happens. But but, you know, the idea that um, that they're going to appeal it, that in itself says something. I mean, they want to appeal the decision or, you know, the injunction where the government is enjoined from talking to these social service agencies. Uh, to, listen to me, social service, social media. Um, but but why would they oppose that if the limit of the injunction is uh, as it relates to them trying to shut down information? Oh, so in, in our case, uh, in California, the, the theory was when we, we did not get an injunction. We did not you know prevail. And we've appealed. We've, we've filed for cert at the Supreme Court. But it, the theory of uh, all these law professors, you know, Larry Tribe, people like that is, well, you know, the government has a right to speak. The government has free speech rights <laughs> as well. They're just exercising their speech. But what's missing in that equation is obviously the coercive factor of the fact that the government regulates the companies in question. And it was more than just having a conversation. It was giving them lists on a daily basis of specific social media posts that should be taken down. You know, I've, I've, I've heard from, um, you know, p- folks in Congress, but that includes some of my hosts as well. You know, that hasn't come out yet, oh, but, yeah. you know, it's, it's going to emerge. And so it's, uh, it's pretty shocking and appalling. People came to this country for freedom, and, you know, it turns out that we're doing the same censorship here that – totalitarian dictatorships do. So, um, you know, so it's, it's, you mentioned it at the beginning, this included telling these companies in advance to look out for specific types of posts. And I mean, I'll give the benefit of the doubt to some of these social media executives. They're being told by their government, by officials from the CIA, FBI, et cetera, that certain stuff that they're going to see on their platform is unpatriotic, is, is traitorous, is is false, is designed to you know disrupt society in a dangerous way. And you know, at first, at least, some of them are just trying to you know do the right thing. They did not know that the government was, in fact, uh, just putting their finger on the scale, knowing that what the government was saying to these companies was false. For example, with respect to the Hunter Biden laptop. So. It's actually such a scandal of epic proportions. I hope this opinion is simply the starting point of everybody realizing what's been going on and we ultimately dismantle it. Well, and, you know, the the idea that, um, you know, at what point did our government decide that they had the right uh, to decide what we could read, what we could think, 
you know, it, 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 we've always been the arbiters of truth, and now the government thinks that they are the arbiters of truth. I mean, that is classic fascism. You don't follow and think the way I think. You don't uh, say what I say. You don't uh, adhere to what my philosophy is. Then, you know, you're out. It's fascism. I, I agree with you, and it's uh, it's it's. It's disheartening to people. I mean, I'm an immigrant to this country, and, you know, my parents came to this country because this was a place where you could speak freely, and the government didn't tell you how many kids to have and what opinions you could hold. And today it turns out that our government is actually that very thing. And mm. if we don't dismantle it, and this should be a bipartisan alarm ringing throughout the country, I'm, I'm afraid of what the next steps would be in this regime of fascism. So far, what they did was coerce and threaten. The next step would be to actually shut down uh, places where people speak. Well, that's that's happen. really frightening. It can happen. Well, it, it was close to happening. So... Well, and you know what? As I said, it is classic election interference. All this was done, you know, for Joe Biden's benefit. I mean, ultimately, uh, you know, they, they even admitted that to give Joe Biden a line at the at the debate with Donald Trump that that was Russian disinformation. Um, and as we gear up for another election, Harmy Dillon, um, you know, they think they have the right to do this. And there are people who think, who will say, I don't want to read disinformation. Well, you've been reading disinformation your whole life. You decide what you believe based on different versions of, 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 of an, an incident or different versions of a philosophy or whatever. All of a sudden, we're not allowed to think. They think for us. It's a sad, it's a dangerous place before a presidential election. Yeah, 100%. And I think that uh, Americans' opinion of the integrity of our elections is at an all-time low based on recent uh, polls. That's dangerous, too. We want American citizens, both parties, all parties, to feel confident in the outcome of elections, go to the polls and vote. But when we now know that the government is filtering and manipulating what we see, a lot of people just throw their hands up and say, why should I bother to vote? And then that itself leads to a dangerous condition of a lack of respect in our country for the government. That's yeah. not a good thing either. And then then the question is, when the damage is done, Harmeet Dillon, I mean, where do people go to get their lives back? I mean, what they did uh, to uh, Dr. Robert Malone and Dr. Bhattacharya. I mean, you know, they put their neck out because they were they were following the Hippocratic Oath as it relates to COVID and what we can do and what we can't do. And, you know, they suffered a, a First Amendment violation. You know, what's, what remedy do they have as an individual? Well, I mean, this case is, like I said, in the early stages. It's going to proceed. I hope they get monetary damages and apology from uh, these social media companies. Can they get their reputations back? I mean, I think I think opinions are going to vary on that. They Some other uh, prominent physicians had to quit their institutions right. and move and find other jobs. I won't name them because friends of mine, I don't want to ask Right. Them oh, harm. I know this, Harmony. But... but but people have had their careers and their livelihoods destroyed. Other people have had their voices destroyed 
at a most critical time. So I, I, some of these harms cannot be remedied for those individuals. But what we have to do is act to make sure that this type of evil and anti-constitutional censorship is crushed and there's some you know, sort of sunlight in this process and it never happens again. That would be oh. the best remedy. Well, that certainly would be the best remedy. But, you know, during the Biden administration, uh, they can't even condemn or, uh, you know, cocaine found in the White House. I mean, don't even see any outrage. And and Karine Jean-Pierre doesn't even say, oh, yes, in response to will you prosecute? And she says, well, I don't want to get ahead of it. I mean, you know, these people. You say to yourself, what are they thinking? The answer to that is a very simple, of course, we'll prosecute. You can't have a controlled substance in the White House, in the in the House of the President. But they're, you know, they they're it, it's like they're they're afraid uh, and maybe, you know, because they might have an idea of whose it is. Who knows? But unfortunately, the fact that we're even talking about a restriction of free speech by an administration that is running for president again or whose who's head is running for president again is very concerning. And even Robert Kennedy uh, celebrated uh, the free speech ruling saying happy Independence Day, everyone. Um, and as a result of President Biden uh, and being ordered to stop censoring his critics. Uh, so anyway, Harmeet Dillon, I want to thank you for joining us on the Judge Jeanine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. Uh, keep doing those uh, lawsuits that you do, and thank you for sharing your expertise with us on the Judge Jeanine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you, Judge All Jeanine. right. Take care, Harmeet. This is the Judge Jeanine Show on 77 WABC. This is the Janine Pirro Show. Now, here's Judge Janine Pirro. Okay, now it's time for me to gavel out with my closing argument. Now, what do the two issues we talked about today have in common? They have in common the issue of honesty. And they have in common a White House and an administration that unfortunately is in position of preventing Americans from freely expressing themselves, from blocking information by doctors during the COVID, during the COVID pandemic, and by contacting social media companies and telling them, you can't publish this and you can't allow this to be out there. And so we've got free speech on the line. And as it relates to the cocaine in the White House, we've got basic decency on the line where for the first time in the history of this country, we've got cocaine in the White House with an administration that can't bother itself to come out and say, this is an outrage. We're not going to tolerate this. You know, we are different from other countries. We follow the law. You know, people go to jail for cocaine. You shouldn't be able to possess it in the White House. And so right now we've got to see how both of these cases end up uh, 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 closing because we're going to get some more information on cocaine and the case of free speech is going to continue to go through the system. But if you want some real honesty, get my book, Crimes Against America, The Left's Takedown of Our Republic. You can get it on Amazon. 
Uh, you can also get it on Judge J Book, singular.com. It's about the left's takedown of our republic. And I honestly talk about these issues in my book. It's almost as though I'm prescient. Uh, the infringement of the First Amendment, uh, the gaslighting, uh, the fact that this America is being changed by people who have a fundamental difference of opinion from the Founding Fathers. So make sure you get a copy of Crimes Against America, The Left's Takedown of Our Republic. You can get it on Amazon or JudgeJBook.com. And uh, I can't believe we're out of time already. I Make sure you join us right back here next week, same time, same place, for the Judge Jeanine Tunnel to Towers Foundation Show. God bless and have a great day, everyone. Really, make it a point to have a great day. Bye.